What is going on everyone? My name is Andy. Welcome back to another FPL video. In this one, we're going to take a look at five players that are potentially being overlooked. I put a tweet out yesterday to ask for some of your suggestions. They are the players that I'm going to go through and I'm going to give you my opinion on them. Just before we jump into it, if you haven't already checked out Fantasy Football Hub, make sure you do. There is a link in the description below. We don't have too long now until the season starts. So it's a good time to get signed up and they've got up to 50% off their membership packages at the moment. So make sure to check that out link in the descriptions below so let's start off with ollie watkins who had a really good season for aston villa last year and i think in general villa have just been on the up since unai emery took charge and watkins himself had that really good period especially after the world cup where it felt like he just couldn't stop scoring so why is he potentially being overlooked i think the big reason is a lot of fpl managers are only playing with two forwards one has to be harland so then you've only got one other player that you can choose and if you're spending less than eight million on that position well, you can't afford Watkins anyway. And if you are spending $8 million, it's him or Gabriel Jesus. And many of us are thinking, well, I want to double or triple up on the Arsenal attack, so I'll just default to Jesus instead. And maybe that's a bit unfair. We'll compare the two in just a minute. In terms of Watkins in isolation, he's currently owned by 14.5% of all FPL managers. That's after a season where he got 15 goals, 8 assists. His underlying numbers are looking healthy as normal. So 0.49 expected goals per 90, 0.16 expected assists. And the good thing about Watkins is he's on penalties, but also he gets really good minutes when he plays so I checked on fantasy football hub and his minutes on average per appearance were 84 and I don't think that's going to be massively affected this season I know a lot of Villa fans want to see Archer play more and maybe that will happen he impressed uh, for England obviously there's Europe and stuff to contend with this season for Villa but I think in general Watkins minutes aren't going to be massively affected the thing that I don't particularly like are the fixtures Opening six, they got four away games and three in Newcastle, Liverpool and Chelsea. Now look, if Villa continue to get better under Emery, they keep attacking as they have been, they might not be particularly worried about those fixtures, but I don't think that's a set of six games that I would actively go out and target. So that's maybe my one worry about him. I certainly don't have concerns about the chances that he will get and the minutes he will play and stuff like that. In terms of comparing him to Gabriel Jesus, what I find interesting is anytime you say Gabriel Jesus, the first thing anyone says back to you is he's not a great finisher. He never converts the chances he gets. And I don't necessarily disagree with that. You can see it in the numbers. Last year, 0.6 expected goals, 0.48 actual goals per 90. So he did underperform, but so did Watkins. Watkins 0.49 expected goals, his actual goals were 0.43, and interestingly, that's the same scenario in each of the previous two seasons before that as well. Not to such a big extent as Jesus, but he has underperformed slightly, and the thing with Jesus, he just gets more chances. So even if he doesn't convert them at such a rate as other forwards like Harlan, Kane, etc., he's still going to score goals, and he is going to get pretty regular minutes. I guess the one thing for me is Arsenal do have a bit more or a few more players that can play in that position that could allow Arteta to rest him when needed, especially when games are won and stuff like that. Like Havertz, Trossard and Kettier in particular could all play in that number nine role. So that is a bit of a worry. But last year, even when you factor in the games where he was only playing off the bench because of you know coming back from injury, he still averaged 79 minutes per appearance. So it's not like he's only going to be playing 60, 70 minutes in every match. So I think when you look at the numbers, yes, Jesus underperforms, but so does Watkins. And Jesus' chance creation is so much higher, he's probably the one that I would look at. And even for expected assists, it's higher as well. And then you come on to the fixtures side by side. 
The two toughest games for Arsenal are Man United and Spurs, and they're both at home. The two toughest games for Villa are probably Newcastle and then one of, if not both, of Liverpool and Chelsea, and they're all away. And Arsenal open with two home games in the first three, and they're Forest and Fulham, and the two outside of that are Palace and Everton. So, look, I am someone that looks at stats. You might be thinking, no, Emery's got things going on there. Watkins is going to be even better than he was last year. Maybe that'll be the case. But I look at the numbers, and Arsenal was a team, and their fixtures. And I think if you're only having one £8 million forward, you should be overlooking Watkins instead. Uh, you know, rather, sorry, you should be overlooking Watkins and going for Jesus instead. There are scenarios where maybe you're going to play a three-four-three, and you have Harlan, Jesus, and one other forward. And if you've got the money, maybe Watkins is the next best option. Maybe it is worth paying that extra 0.5 over an Nkunku or over a Darwin Nunez. But a straight-up comparison between him and Jesus, I think you've got to overlook him for now. But maybe in the future he'll be in my team. So next up is Eze of Crystal Palace, one of the many 6.5 million midfielders that we have to choose from this season. And it's not like he's being completely overlooked. He's owned by 11.8% of all FPL managers. But when you compare that to a Matoma or an Imbomo, it is quite a bit lower. So what's the reasons for that? And I find it difficult to review him from last year because under Vieira, he was in and out of the team. And he didn't really get a proper run of starts until Roy Hodgson took charge. And he did great in that period. But also Crystal Palace had really good fixtures which I don't think they have for the first six game weeks like game week one Sheffield United away game week six Fulham at home aren't too bad but in between that it's Arsenal at home Brentford away Wolves at home Villa away not awful by any stretch but definitely more difficult than I feel they had end of last season and I wonder whether he can carry that form into this season the problem for me is someone that looks at stats quite a lot they don't really help 0.22 expected goals per 90, 0.19 expected assists. There are lots of players at the same price point that have much better numbers than that. And you could say he's a great young player, great end of last season. Roy Hodgson obviously brought him in. That's going to help this year. Roy Hodgson's in charge again. Can he improve? Maybe he can, but I question by how much because it's not like he's 18 or 19 years old. He's already 25, and we've seen quite a few seasons of him now not really putting up better numbers than that. So I think if the fixtures were slightly better, I'd be a bit more keen on him, but that is personally why I'm overlooking him at the moment. And when you compare him to the other 6.5 million midfielders, they all have better stats. Matoma, March, even Diaby for Villa. I've put an asterisk next to his numbers because they're obviously not from the Premier League last year. Mbomo... And even Mudrick, right? I've ordered these by goal threat. So Matoma has the highest expected goals. Then it's March. Then it's Diaby. Uh, then it's Mbomo. Then it's Mudrick. And then it's Eze. The only thing I think is kind of a, an advantage for him over most of the other players is he's probably going to be first choice penalty taker because Zaha's now left. The disadvantage is Zaha's left. So I think that makes Crystal Palace probably worse in attack. And they haven't made any signings yet that have kind of changed my mind on that. So that's what I'm worried about. I just look at the fixtures for kind of an Mbomo or a Matoma or a March and then you combine that with their underlying numbers it's very hard to look past them and right now if I was going to take a punt it would probably be on Aston Villa and it would be Diaby for the same money even with Europe to contend with I just think there's good signs at Aston Villa they're going to continually do better especially in attack Crystal Palace I would maybe question that a little bit more so I, I am trying to think of Plenty of positives, not just negatives. And I think penalties is one. I think minutes is another. No Europe is another. But fixtures, underlying numbers compared to the other players, I'm just not sure I can... 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go for Eze, not in game week one anyway. So I think Darwin Nunez is one of those FPL players where people seem to either love him, they're willing to take a risk on the minutes, the hope that he will start converting more of the chances that he gets, or they hate him because he doesn't start every game, and it can be frustrating watching him miss the amount of shots that he takes. There doesn't ever seem to be much middle ground when people discuss him. So what do I think about him for game week one? Well, there's one word, and that is simply minutes. If he gets them, I think he's great. If he doesn't, I would look elsewhere. I don't think he's so good that if he's only going to start three or four times in the first six game weeks that he's worth having, I would just go for a striker you can rely on a little bit more. But the reason I say I think he's great with minutes is because his underlying numbers are fantastic. 0.78 expected goals per 19, 0.39 expected assists. They are brilliant numbers, and I just think he needs a run of games to start converting them into big FPL points, and he's only 7 points. 5 million so that's a drop from last year now i know what people are going to say all well and good getting the chances but he doesn't score enough and that's correct his actual goals last year were 0.48 per 90 but i think he's the kind of player that can improve on that last season his first in the premier league first at liverpool Klopp mentioned about him taking a bit of time to integrate. There was a language barrier and stuff like that. And we've seen plenty of players come into teams like Man City and not do so well in the first year, but they absolutely smash it in the second. So if he's going to get a run of games, I think he'll be great. The problem is, is that going to happen? My initial instinct was that because they bought players like McAllister and Soboslai, there's probably going to be a bit more energy in that midfield. And maybe that would allow Darwin Nunez to kind of cause that chaos up front. Because from reading what Liverpool fans have been talking about in terms of who should line up in the front three, Gakpo is really liked by Klopp because of his pressing off the ball. Maybe you don't need that quite so much if there's enough other players that can do that and compensate for Nunez. The problem is if Klopp doesn't think that's the case or there's certain fixtures where he wants Gakpo in there instead, then that's who he's going to play because there's so much competition for Liverpool. So Nunez has played... I think all his minutes in preseason as number nine, scored a few goals as well. He is looking good. I think he is a great player, but I just would not be confident enough to say that he's going to start regularly for the first six weeks. And if he doesn't, the first three matches include Chelsea away and Newcastle away anyway. So I'm just not convinced it's worth taking the race. But if there's an injury to Gakpo, or it looks very likely he's going to play in a different position, like an attacking eight or something like that, then I could definitely change my mind for game week one. Because if Nunez starts regularly, 7.5 million is going to be an absolute bargain. So next up is an Everton player, Dan Juma, who comes into the game listed as a 5.5 million midfielder. Probably not someone to get massively excited about, but I think under certain circumstances, he could be worth at least considering. Like if you're on a 3-5-2 formation and all your midfielders are 6.5 or above, then he's not going to change your mind about any of them. But if you're putting a draft together with like Haaland and Salah and you need a cheap attacker, then maybe you could think about him then. Because for 5.5 million or below, I don't think there is a standout option. Like, some of the names people will throw at me, Morris at Luton, but he blanks in game week two, and Cecil and João Pedro at Brighton, they'll be fantastic if they get a run of games, but I think there's still question marks over their minutes. And outside of that, I don't think there's an obvious player that's the go-to 
at that price point. Whereas presumably, Dan Juma comes into that Everton side pretty much being nailed on. And if Calvert-Lewin is not fit to start the season, he would probably start up front as well. Now, if you think I've got the nailed on part wrong, let me know in the comments below why that is. But I think his minutes are going to be pretty good. Everton's opening four fixtures are decent enough. Fulham at home, Villa away, Wolves at home and Sheffield United away. And obviously, you're not expecting a huge amount for 55 million anyway you don't need Everton to be scoring four or five goals a game if Dan Juma could get kind of you know one to three returns in the first four game weeks that would probably be okay if it's enabling you kind of players elsewhere in terms of his potential it's hard to go off last season at Spurs because he didn't get a huge amount of game time he did obviously a few seasons back go from Bournemouth to Villarreal and did perform really well in the games he played there both from an underlying stats perspective and goals and assists so there is a player there that can do well. I do have some concerns over why Villarreal would let him go. And obviously, from an Everton point of view, this is the second time they've tried to sign him. But as long as he goes and gets goals and assists, I don't think anyone's going to mind. So, I obviously, I've got reservations about him. But he's only 5.5 million. I'm not expecting to go and score points like a Matoma or a Salah or a Kane or a Haaland or anyone like that. But I do think he only works in certain circumstances. For my draft the one I put out yesterday, there's no way I would consider him whatsoever. But if you want a few more premium players in there, maybe he's worth looking at. All right, let's talk about Jared Bowen. This is a player that put up over 200 FPL points a couple of seasons ago. His price has dropped from 8.5 to 7 million, and he's already bagged a bunch of attacking returns during pre-season. So is he being overlooked? I would say yes. He's only owned by 5.6% of all FPL managers. But are people right to overlook him? I would say also yes. Like the big upside with Bowen is his game time. He always starts and always gets good minutes. But the clear downside is the fixtures. Like opening six game weeks, they got Chelsea at home, Brighton away, Man City at home, and Liverpool away. That is not great whatsoever. And even if you shorten the time frame that you're looking at to the first four game weeks, okay, in game week one and game week four, they get to play Bournemouth away and Luton away. But in the middle of that is that game against Chelsea at home and Brighton away. And I just don't think Bowen looks good enough to be someone that you want to start pre-booking transfers for. And I also worry a little bit about the reason his price dropped. Obviously, it's because he didn't get as many FPL points and his underlying numbers also dropped, specifically his goal threat. So he's at 0.2 expected goals per 90, 0.21 expected assists. They're not awful numbers. And again, he does regularly get to 90 minutes every time he plays. But there are players that we've already talked about for 6.5 million who would give you a little bit of extra money to spend elsewhere, have better underlying numbers, and they have better fixtures. And in some cases, they have penalties as well. So I can't really see any reason to start game week one with Bowen. And also with West Ham, they've lost Rice, which, okay, is more of a defensive thing, but it's not great overall. They haven't signed anyone yet at the time of recording. Don't know what's happening with Antonio. There's rumours that he's going to leave. Is it going to be Skamaka or Ings as the kind of number one striker? Will they rotate? And if they do, does that help Bowen? Probably not. So is he going to be a solid option for 7 million could you say he's better than like a sterling probably especially on pre-season so far but i don't think you can make a case that he's better than the 6.5 so for me he's for someone down the line not in game week one let me know if you uh, disagree with any of these players if there's anyone else you want me to talk about in a future video let me know in the comments below if you've enjoyed it give it a like hit that subscribe button and make sure to check out fantasy football hub all the links are in the description below sports social podcast network